I want you to turn to the last book of the Old Testament, and that would be the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 1. And as you're turning there in your Bibles today, I, I have an important question to ask. And maybe we're going to have a little fun with this question. My, my, this is a little mini-series that I'm doing from Malachi called Talking Back to God. That's sort of a shocking title, I think. I can't imagine myself talking back to God. And so I'm going to ask people today, what happens when you talk back to God? Uh, when, no, no. When you, we know what's going to happen there. What, happen, what happens when you talk back? Mary, have you ever talked back to your parents? Are they here today, by the way? I've not seen your mother and father yet, but I'll bet they are here, right? Getting their after the Okay. Does that mean they're here? No. Oh, okay. Oh, hey, you can talk. You can say anything you want, huh? <laughs> hey, this is your day, Peter. Uh, what happened? Does anything happen if you ever if, have you ever talked back to your folks? No comment. <laughs> oh. Who who should answer that? She'll answer it. For okay, you answer that. Peter's answer Peter's question. Go ahead, Mary. I'll protect you. <laughs> Pastor Russell protect you. Okay. The Therm kids always set up close to the front. Okay. Do you ever talk back to your mom and dad? No. How about you, Jacob? Nope. Never? Never. Okay, mom and dad. These kids ever sort of sass you back? Yep. Uh oh, I can see there's conflict here. What normally happens when that happens? They get to drink vinegar. Are you serious? Oh, did you hear that? When they sass back to mom and dad, they get to drink vinegar. That won't kill you, but I would say it would cure you though. Oh, my, my, my. Anybody else want to volunteer about what happens when you talk back to mom and dad? Oh, you're pointing, which direction are you pointing here? Emily. Emily? Is it Emily? Yeah, Emily. Okay, Emily, I'm to ask you. How's it work? <laughs> Boy, these people are quiet, aren't they? You know, the reason I ask this question is because... Uh, Malachi, in Malachi's day, Malachi is uh, what we call a minor prophet. And now, when, when you say that, there's a tendency to think, well, he doesn't really have too much to say, so that's why we call him a minor prophet. He's not like Isaiah or Jeremiah or some of the bigwigs. The minor part comes in the fact that Malachi is only 55 verses long. And that's, that's the honest truth. That's why they call them the minor prophets. They're short. They're small books of prophetic truth. And Malachi is one of those books. And it's an interesting book when you read it. And I've re read it and reread it several times over the past week or 10 days. And, and it's remarkable how this book has a, it, it resonates with this culture that we live in and with people that we 
we surround ourselves. It's amazing. And the reason I call this uh, little mini-series, call it <clears throat> Talking Back to God, is it because I, I think this is probably where we got our talk show format that you've no doubt heard on television or radio or something like that. It's the modern talk show format. And here the message is directed to a people who have become quite flippant and very arrogant in their, uh, in their relationship with, with God. And when God challenges them about their lifestyle, they talk back and they, they defend their behavior in this thing. And so Malachi is talking to a, to a culture, to a people who are defending their, their sort of their naughty behavior. Uh, which is obviously another word for sinful behavior. <coughs> in fact, they went as far as saying, the reason things aren't going well in our lives, it's really your fault. Because you haven't followed through on all of your promises and everything. And so they turned the tables and said, God, it's really your fault. <coughs> That's sort of an amazing moment there too. Not only is it bad to talk back to God, but then when you do talk to him, you remind him and say, look, it's your fault. That's why we're not prospering. That's not why we're, we don't get what we want to get and all of these other things. <clears throat> and the little book of uh, Malachi runs us through all of those uh, interesting things. These are people who have been in captivity. And at the end of that captivity, God released them. He literally led them out of their captivity he helped them to get back to Jerusalem, rebuild the city, rebuild a temple that they could worship in. All of these things, God constantly gave them <clears throat> all kinds of things in their life. And now they're talking back to God. And even accusing God, this is really your problem. You're really at the root of this whole thing. You know, folks, do you realize you can be in church and yet be far from God at the same time. Do you realize that? You can be in church and yet you can be, I guess, a million miles from where God wants you to be and what he wants you to be doing. And these people were far from God because of their carelessness and their indifference toward God. And so much, there's much of this in Christianity today <clears throat> that flows along through our nation. I want you to understand, I differentiate between what is called Christian, <coughs> excuse me, and, that, uh, and that's claimed by 71% of the people that live in, the, in America. I'm a Christian. And yet, and yet, they are not true followers of Christ at all. They follow a different drum beat. They follow a different something else that's in their minds and in their hearts. A majority of these people have what I would call perhaps an external relationship with God, but it's, uh, but it's tied mostly to rituals and forms and anything else that you might come up with. Paul said they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of God. We pray every, every I, I think every day around here, that this service here this morning, beginning at 10 o'clock, there would be the, if you will, the exhibit of God's power that would engulf and envelop our lives. That he would touch us in such a way that, that there would be transformation. 
there will be the newness of life. And so this is a message for many people who go to church, maybe even a very fundamental church, and they know all the language, and yet their hearts are far, far, far from God. Malachi chapter 1 and verse 1 simply says this, the burden of the word of the Lord, in other words, the message of God. Folks, this is a message coming from God. This wasn't Malachi out here saying, I think I'm going to write a letter to some people that, uh, that, are, that I feel like they're upsetting God or something like that. This is a message from God himself to these people, <clears throat> and he is speaking as God's direct spokesman. Malachi chapter 1 and verse 2, listen to these words. I have loved you. And when you parse that out, when you take that little phrase and, and spread it out and look at it and, and get, it, get it out there where the meanings are even more rich and wonderful, it says, I have loved you in the past and I still do. Think of this. These are people that are sassing God. These are people that are talking back to God. And God says, listen, I love you and I still love you. But he says, I need to correct you. I need, to have you, I need to have you drink some vinegar, like the Thurm boys drank, and this way. And I want, you to, I want you to get this straight in your life. Folks, there is a divine choice. God has chosen. God makes choices. And I want to understand this very clearly. God made a choice when he chose you. And I, I want us to grasp this. I want us to realize this and understand this. I was, it was God looking for me. I wasn't looking for God. My wife and I were not looking for God. We were looking for a lot of other things. And the last on that list was God. God was looking for us. And when God, and we weren't, it isn't that he found us. He knew where we were all the time anyway. But when we finally open the door just a crack, God made it important and available that he wanted to change our lives. It was God who changed us. We didn't change. It was God who changed. It was God who worked in my life. It was him doing all of these things in my life. I didn't have a whole lot to do with it except to say, I agree with this, I want this, and I want to move my life forward. I want to, I want to be what you want me to be, Father. I want to go in that direction. So it's God initiated. It is also God who repeatedly expressed through the Old Testament that if you pay attention to God, if you obey God, if you grow in God, if you follow God, if you love God more than anything else, God says, if you do those things, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to work in your life. I'm going to, I'm going to bring a blessing into your life. And he tells us this. Malachi chapter 1 and the last part of verse 2, remember the first part, it says, I have loved you. I loved you before and I love you now. Listen to what the people says. In what way have you loved us? Just tell me, how did you do that? In what way did you love us? 
These are words that were coming out of their mouths, but it was also coming out of their hearts. The words that we speak come out of our heart. They may come out of our mouth, but they, they are generated, they are originated in our, in our hearts. They're not asking God to tell them about specific times in which he loved him. They are really saying, if God really loves us, how come we've got it so hard? How come it's so tough if you really loved us? If God really loves us, where's the evidence to prove it? Where are the hard facts that says God loves us? And maybe all of this is just simply religious talk and etc., etc. I believe there's a couple factors here, and I just want to just mention them to you very quickly. A couple factors here that are very important. Factor number one, they have lost the sense of wonder at what God has done for them. These are people who did not and do not appreciate all that they had, but instead were complaining about what they didn't have and what they wanted. And the worst of all, they wanted a worldly way of life. Folks, I tell you what, I just encourage you, never forget, never forget where God found you and discovered your need and where he has brought you from. Joan and I kind of have a little thing going, that goes back and forth sometimes. And uh, it, 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 go, it, it goes around the word of awesome. Now I'm going to mess somebody up when I say this. I know that. Because I've heard people say, wow, that was an awesome pizza. And that was an awesome meal. And that was awesome this and awesome. And I keep saying, only God is awesome. Huh? Does, anybody, does anybody connect with me on that? Or I'm the only odd duck here in the room. Okay, thanks, Kevin. And Joan, she agrees with me. I'm glad. Only God is awesome, folks. I mean, if you say your pizza this noon is awesome, I'm not going to come down on you. Honest, I promise you I won't. <laughs> I'll wait till I get in the car. But, uh, <laughs> but look, God is awesome, isn't he? God is the one that took my filthy life, my meaningless life, my sinful life, my I don't care about God life, my indifference toward God life and everything. He's the one that took me and elevated me, lifted me out of that junk that I thought was so wonderful in my life, that I thought was so precious, that was so good. And he gave me new life. He gave me his promises, which he begins to roll into your life and touch your life. The second thing here, their religion had become formal. Here it is. There simply was no life left in it. In essence, as long as they went through all of the outward routines and rituals and everything else, they said, good, we've been to church. I talked to somebody just this week, and they described their, work, their church service. And I was sort of shocked when they said this to me. I can't figure out why they said it to me. But they said, we had, a, we had quite a different service today. We were out in 40 minutes. I said, you're kidding. Yeah, we went through all the stuff that we normally go through, and the pastor only talked 10 or 11 minutes, and, and we're out. Now, I hope nobody walks up to me after church and says, where was that church at that you found? <laughs> Folks, we've got a ton of religion today. We've got a ton of it. It's everywhere you look. We've got all kinds of it. 
but there's no life in it. It's lifeless. Their faith in what they thought of God was no more than surface deep, and then, then if things didn't turn out the way they wanted, they, they said, this is your fault, God. After all, it is your fault. Moses warned them about this. Put your finger in Malachi chapter 1 and go with me to Deuteronomy. Real quick, Deuteronomy chapter, let's see, Deuteronomy 10. I want to read two verses to you here. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, this is what God, and God said this really in a variety of different ways and places, but it's all summed up right here in this spot right here. 10, Deuteronomy chapter 10, beginning in verse 12. He says, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? And you can count them with me. There are five things. God says there are five things. Here, listen to them. Fear the Lord your God. Walk in all of his ways. Love him. Serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. And number five, keep his commandments and his statutes, which I commanded to you for your good. He says, if you do this, it's for your good. It's not to hold you back. It's not to steal your fun. It's not to, it's not to make you miserable or anything like that. It's for your good. God says, I, I want your good. I want you to have the good of life. But here the audacity of these people who would speak to God like this. And I can only say this, only hearts of stone, hearts of stone, could be oblivious to many evidences of God's love today. There's another way to look at these things. You can say, how can, how can you say, Pastor, that God loves me, and yet I went through this divorce? Pastor, how can you say God loves me and I lost my job this week? Pastor, how can you, how can you possibly say that God loves me and I had this accident and, and I've been seriously injured or something. How can you say that God loves me but my friend died? How can you say God loves me but this relationship fell apart? Or whatever it might be. And see, this is what these people were saying to God. And you can plug in a lot of different things in there as you, go, as you go along. The people of Malachi's day gave an outward show of their religion, but for the most part, it was just that. It was a show, and there was no substance. I want to take you to the second part. And I'm not going to read the stuff in between too much, but I'm going to take you to uh, verse number 6 here, the latter part of it, to the priests who despise my name, yet you say... In what way did we despise your name? And then in verse 7, you offer defiled food on my altar and say, how did we defile you? Boy, these people just don't stop. They just don't halt. I mean, they just, it just constantly rolls out of, their, out of their heart and out of their head and everything like that. The people are next charged with failing to honor God Malachi lays it right on the line and he says, you need to respect me like a son would respect his father. He says, then, am I, then I am the father, where is my honor? You have despised my name. You have offered food that has been defiled on my honor. You know, here's, here's the deal. 
God said this in several places in the Old Testament. He said, you know, he said, when you worship me and bring these sacrifices, these are supposed to be sacrifices without blemish. They are the best of the very best. It's, it's what we have to offer that is the best. But you know what was happening in Malachi's day? These people were looking out in their flock and said, well, wait a minute, here's this old, here's this old sheep out here that's, uh, that's lame, blind, it's sick, it's going to kick the bucket anyway. Let's bring that in to God and let that be our offering. And God says, I despise that. You have despised me. You have, you, have, uh, you have shamed my name. I think it was David, and, and it was in, uh, I, I believe it was in 2 Samuel, toward the end of 2 Samuel, where David wanted to build an altar to God. He wanted to build an altar to God, and he had a friend named Aruna. And Aruna said, look, I will give you this, my threshing floor, to build your altar to God. And you know what David said? This is interesting. David said, look, I am not going to offer to God that which costs me nothing. You hear me, church? That which costs me nothing. We need to take this into heart. Let's say you were going to come into this church this morning and I'm going to just use a ridiculous illustration and you were going to get $5 in the offering, five bucks. And right out there after you got out of your car, you found a $5 bill on the ground. And you say, oh good, I'll just give this and keep the five bucks. Is that not giving to God which costs you nothing? And just how... How much blessing do you think God is going to pour into your life that which has cost you nothing? This is where their actions spoke much louder than words. And their attitude revealed an inward scorn toward the worship of God and how little they thought of it. Let me lay it onto the line for a moment here this morning. We, must, we too must make sure that we're not giving to God only that which is the leftover or the unwanted or whatever it might be. The judgment on Cain and Abel was this way. Let me tell you something about Cain and Abel that isn't often spoken. God was looking at the heart before he looked at the sacrifice. Cain had a sacrifice he was bringing. Abel had a sacrifice he's bringing, but God was able to look at the heart and say, I accept Abel's sacrifice, but not Cain's. God considered that an insult and, toward, and a bad attitude toward him. Listen, if you're bored and weary of church, I'm going to tell you something. It might be the fall of the church. I'll grant you that. But then it might be because of the deadness of our hearts. It might be because of the coldness of our hearts. It might be because of the indifference that we carry with us in so many areas of our lives. It's not just church, it's many other things. The Word of God is something that should be so interesting to our lives and so beloved. The worship of Jesus should cause us to, 
shout victory because of all that he has done in our lives. Growing and walking with God. Are you filled with God's spirit that gives you a joy that's literally unspeakable? And a joy that can take you, it'll last through the hard times of life. There's a powerful challenge, I think, to the church of 2016, and it's very easy for us to relax and simply go through the motions and go through the routines. We will show up to church if it fits our schedule, but that's a model of Christianity you will never find anywhere in the Word of God, never. Janet, would you come back, please? <clears throat> Sacrifices mean offering something to God that had cost and value. We sing this song, and I, and I was going to look this up a little bit more before I came, but I didn't. It says, we're the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. In other words, if God says, I'm going to give you the deed to North America, it's all yours. All the abundance of North America, all of the rich, everything, everything, it's all yours. I give you the deed. And what that little song, what that little line said there, he said, <clears throat> we're the whole realm of glory. That would be an offering far too small to give to God. Think about that, folks. That's why I call God, he's awesome. He's awesome. He's awesome because he loved me when I didn't even care about God, when I was disinterested in God, when I didn't even forget God. He loved me when I didn't know how in the world I could possibly love him. He forgave me when I was loaded up with sin in my life, I thought I was a good person. And I was. I was a real good person. Everything. I was punching the good person tickets. But God said, no, 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 no. It's more than a good person. It's a redeemed person. It's a person that's been freed of sin. It's been a person that's forgiven. That's awesome. That is awesome God that works in our lives. And that's why he gave Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus, every one of us here would be sunk. But he was the spotless lamb, the perfect offering. And then he died for us, and then he rose from the dead. And God gives us an opportunity to live for him and to walk with him, to enjoy his presence in our lives, that's pretty amazing. And that's incredibly wonderful. And so today, I want us to pray here in just a moment. And there may be people in the room today that it's so important for you. It would be important for you today to recognize that awesome thing that God has done in giving us Christ. And the awesome thing that he wants to do this morning, perhaps in your life, when you reach out to him, just simply reaching out to him. This is not hard. This is not rocket science or anything else. I just reach out to God and say, God, forgive me of my sin. 
I'm a sinner and I need redemption. I need forgiveness that only Christ can bring in my life. Only Christ. Folks, I'm going to tell you, I lay it on the line for the third time. You can go to church every day of your life and still not be redeemed. You could join 10 churches in this area and you will not be redeemed. You can give huge offerings every Sunday and not be redeemed. It is only in Jesus Christ who redeems us from the curse of sin because we have all sinned and we've all come short of the glory of God. Nobody can sit in this room and say, not me, Pastor. You know, I'm a good guy, I'm a good gal. We've all sinned and we've all come short of the glory of God. Unfortunately, the wages of those sin is death. And that's not dying and going in the grave. That's talking about eternal separation from God. It's forever. So having said all of that, it's time to pray, isn't it? Let's bow our heads right now and pray. Father, I thank you today that you have offered us the opportunity to hear from your word, to be challenged in our lives. Father, sometimes these kind of messages are like a reset. And we need to hear them because from time to time, we just simply, it seems like we get out of adjustment. And we need that reset. Today, I pray that that has been accomplished. Let there be a divine reset in our walk with you. Father, I'm so concerned today that there are people here this morning they desperately need Jesus Christ. And I don't know what the reason is. I don't know what the deal is, but some of them fight it. Some of them run from it. Some of them ignore it. But Father, Father, I pray for a divine, holy breakthrough this morning. I'm asking for the power of the Holy Spirit right now to absolutely penetrate, penetrate indifference, hardness, a heart that maybe says, I don't care. I'm asking you to penetrate that heart right now and make a difference in that life. Father, I pray for people who need Jesus and I'm going to ask them to pray with me right now. Right now. Pray under your breath, under your heart, into your heart, but make it real. It's before God. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. I believe on Jesus Christ and him alone for my salvation. I recognize I am a sinner and I can't save myself. And I ask Christ to save me from my sin and set me free. I believe Jesus died for me and I believe he rose from the dead. And today, in this service, right now, this moment, I accept him as my Savior and Lord of my life. And as evidence of that, I will live for God. My life will change from this very moment on. I pray this in the name of Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you for that. I want to ask while our heads are bowed in this service,
and I pray that nobody be looking about at this moment. But if you've prayed that with me, if you simply prayed that with me, would you mind just lifting your hand very briefly, put it up and then put it down. Thank you. Somebody else. Thank you. Thanks. Way back there. Father, we thank you for these who have courageously responded. We thank you for others. That perhaps you're working in a powerful new way in their life. And so we give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.